This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. It's like a head-on car accident there. Had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. You can play it safe. You don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. Hey, hey, it's GMAC and Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Let's take a look back at how the Bombers beat the Stamps. And Mitchell's back to pass. Forced up in the pocket. And now he throws into the end zone. And Herge Mayala has a Calgary touchdown. Wire puts it down. Medlock puts it up. And he sort of uh, reaches down and picks up his tee. And, you know, it's good. It throws it down. He's going to run with it. Oh, and he takes a big hit at the 41-yard line, and the fans are booing, uh, and it's wide left. Janarian Grant comes out to the 5, the 10, Grant the 15, the 20, the 25, the 30, the 40, the 45, the 50, and he's caught by Arbuckle, the holder. Andrew Harris is into a slot on the right, and swings and a handoff to Dembski, and Nick Dembski's in for the touchdown. Medlock, ball on the feet, kick in the air, and it's good, and the Bombers are ahead. Here's Mitchell on from the two, fires to the end zone, touchdown to Rogers. Back to pass, end zone all alone, Lawler, touchdown, Kenny Lawler. And Mitchell has the ball, throws down the goal line, touchdown, Rogers. And here comes Janarian Grant out of the end zone. He's to the 20. He's gone, nobody's going to catch him. That'll be two points for the Blue Bombers. Canarian Grant all the way with the missed convert. Back to pass. Pressure coming. Steps up. He's got way too much time. And he has a touchdown to Herge. Maya. Polaris is going to run. Now he's scrambling to his left, to his right, back to his right. And he'll throw it deep into the end zone. Darvin Adams. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. What a play by Polaris and Darvin Adams. It's in the air, and Medlock is celebrating. He makes the kick, and the Blue Bombers have won it. Not too bad, Doug Brown. Greg Mackling and Doug Brown with you on the Blue Bomber podcast one more time. Thanks for downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. Don't forget to rate it and even leave a comment, good, bad, or otherwise. We want to hear from you. Not a lot of bad comments to filter back to you on that game Friday night at IG Field. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers look pretty good in defeating the Stampeders, Doug. The Zach attack is back, Greg. The Zach attack is back. I did not know you were a poet, but Um, you just proved it. You know what was crazy? Like, going to that game, granted, on the pregame show, Bob and I disagreed about this, but I was like, like, Bob, I'm not sure if this could be the, the resurgence of the career of Zach Claris or whether this could be the very last game he ever plays in. And Bob's like, well, what do you mean? He's a accomplished quarterback. He's going to have more opportunities. And I'm like, not if he gets hurt in this game, right? Like, if he got hurt in that game, uh, if he went in concussion protocol again, in that, there was no way he was going to. So there was so much riding on this football game. And, uh, you know, I was hopeful. But you were like, the reality of the situation is he's had two practices with 
with the first team, with the starting offense in practice. I mean, one of them was like a walkthrough, I believe. And so maybe he had one full speed practice as a starting quarterback of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I'm like, how is he going to beat Bo Levi Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders that have everything in the world to play for? On such a little, I mean, he's had time to learn the playbook, but until you go out there and you execute it, I'm like, how is he going to get on the same page as his, his receivers? How is he going to know his audibles? How is he going to know his protections? You know, how is he going to pick up on these little nuances when, you know, they're expecting this coverage and they get this one instead? And his receiver, is he going to adjust his route? Is he going to break it off? Is he going to, is he going to transition to something else? You know, I mean, it was the expectations I was just like, there's no way. I mean, we were all so hopeful, but he pulled it off. It was absolutely, I haven't seen anything. I mean, the, the word on the street is uh, Bob had these stats that Zach Claris plays very well against Calgary, but my goodness, I was just floored, blown away by how well he played on such with such little preparation and time and exposure and indoctrination to this offense. Well, you used, absolutely incredible. You used the word nuance, and that was the word I used in the pregame show. The whole idea is he going to be able to pick up on those nuance things uh, in terms of connecting with his receiver, even just simple things like cadence and and getting the snap count right, and even handing the ball to a new and running back. Yeah. It's, Which way am I turning? Exactly. Yeah. There are so many little things that people don't realize go into making a successful football play and then the play of the game and he talk, talked about in the post game show about I felt a little red I guess I sensed some pressure coming in retrospect he said I think I had Wallatarski wide open but I, I sort of missed him and then to kind of bring in divine intervention and his grandfather blowing the wind back and the ball back to Darvin Adams all sorts of things come into effect but I want to go back to your original comments and just this whole idea of him picking up on the nuanced stuff and being able to do what he did on such a short amount of practice time. Is that what is so impressive? Just his game period was impressive, but does it get elevated because un- because of the conditions under which he yeah. achieved what he did on Friday night? I mean, you look at his numbers and you're not like, oh, oh, wow. You know, he threw for his 200-something yards, two touchdowns, one interception. It's not, you're not like for the most you part. You asked for one touchdown and one interception yeah, yeah. in the and, pregame and just show. just over 200 yards, right? So we, we were pretty close there. But you, uh, so you look at the numbers and you're like, eh, whatever. But are you kidding me? It was amazing what he accomplished giving the situation that he was thrown. I mean, it would take me two days to learn the cadence, you know, or, you know, and a couple times that they had some, there was a, a procedure call and there sure. was some confusion. And yep. you have to wonder when he was in film. Um, uh, that interception he threw and or those other interceptions, he could have been picked off three times very easily. But you have to wonder, was he expecting his receiver to go inside when he went outside or, or you know, to react differently or the things he was seeing or the things he was understanding? I mean, obviously there was going to be uh, some confusion there, but he got away with it, you know? And also what was, uh, to go back to my initial point was, you know, I think the entire uh, stadium was you waited with bated breath when he took those hellacious shots. Oh, like boy. he took some monster shots 
some big boy uh, uh, pro football well, hits. One that looked like a helmet to helmet hit initially, and I think most people in the stadium thought so. And then I've you know seen it since. But for a solid thirty minutes, you could hear the buzz in the stadium. There was some real contempt yeah. for the boys in black and white, the the zebras, the referees, the guys in stripes, however you want to identify them, because there was a genuine sense that was a helmet to helmet hit. But Caleros got up and went about his business. In fact, that was something else that you talked about in that in that pregame show was the idea of you don't want to get hit, but the idea of maybe getting that first hit, that first hellacious hit that makes you go, okay, I'm going to be all right. So that might have tuned him in as much as anything else. Well, this has plagued him, you know, his career, especially of late. And that's what has always been, well, not always been, that's been the tagline of late about Zach Kolaris. It's Oh, well, he's susceptible. Yeah, fragile melon. You know, and and, uh, if he plays in a game and he takes a shot, well, you're going to lose him kind of thing. So uh, the first one was uh, it looked like he was stepping up in the pocket, kind of a QB draw scenario, but he was getting tackled. And then a guy came over the top. Uh, when he was being brought down, there were two tacklers on him. He took helmet contact there. And then uh, uh, another time when he was running, he was escaping. And it looked like he was about to start sliding. And middle linebacker for the Calgary Stampeders came over and absolutely hammered him. Um, whether it was shoulder, I mean, it was it was up higher. Whether it was right to the head or not, I mean, these were big time hits, and uh, you know that was as big a, a concern. I think that was almost weighed evenly. Can he uh, can he operate in this offense already? Can he? S- Make it through a football game, right? Just survive getting, the game, you know. Yep. And uh, that was uh, you go into the game with all these questions and and wondering about Zach Claris, and you come out and you can't help but have a smile on your face because, regardless of you know how prolific the offense was or wasn't, uh, you know how limited he had to have been by the time preparation, but just it was different. You could just, it was a breath of fresh air into an offense that had just been suffocating and stifled. And uh, it was like, wow, this is kind of what we've been, you saw him distribute the ball. He got so many guys involved. Uh, Andrew had a tougher go on the ground because the looks are going to be different now, now that you don't have a quarterback that you have to worry about in terms of defending the run like they did with Strebler. But they pounded the rock, and he distributed the football, and he threw touchdown passes. And uh, it was just very, very, very impressive. He, he, he succeeded on a multiple of levels. And I think, I mean... I was talking to Hal, actually, uh, just before we started this. And he's like, oh, I'm worried he won't be as good the next game. I'm like, how can he not be better? He had no prep time. He had no experience running this offense. Now he has a couple weeks. Granted, they have some off time or whatever, but hopefully he stayed in town and is hopefully has a few people to throw to and he's, mm-hmm. and he's sticking around. It was funny. We were, we were watching in the, in the pregame, and he was just throwing, warming up. He must have thrown 20 straight passes. Andrew Harris and we were like that's hey that's half the playbook right there you you got that down you got that taken care of and but it was amazing like all these different looks all these different routes Andrew Harris like they were just warming up they were just jogging through it everybody kept throwing and throwing and throwing I'm like he's got that part of the playbook down but you have to be optimistic you know you have uh you know I think with Streveler as your starting quarterback you had to hope the weather was going to be the great equalizer and now with Zach Kolaris, I think you have a chance if he's on and everybody 
uh, plays up to their capabilities, you have a very good chance of being able to win a playoff game. How does it switch the mentality for the receivers? I have an idea of how it might switch things in the mind of a guy catching a ball versus what they've been doing for the last six weeks, where is the ball going to get to me? Is it going to be someplace dangerous for me? Is it going to have any velocity on it? All things that I think Chris Strebler would admit to having struggles with in terms of delivering the ball to receivers. Now you've got a guy that you know it's going to get to you. If you do the right thing and you're open, there's a really good chance he's going to find you open. How does that change your confidence and the cohesion amongst that group of, of receivers that are, are, are working for a guy like Caleros? Well, you know, it, it's funny because the receivers, their numbers this year have not been very good. And everyone has rationalized that, well, you know, this is because the passing attack isn't there. This is a run-first team. And, well, guess what? That excuse is out the window now. Now you get a guy that can throw the football. Well, uh, it was out, without, have. and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Doug, but that was out the window the first three, four weeks of the season. When Matt Nichols was healthy, 100% healthy, he was throwing the ball downfield. He was completing explosion plays at a percentage that was as high or higher than any other quarterback in the CFL. And so the Bombers did have the passing game going in the first three, four, five weeks of this season when there was confidence that the ball might actually find you when you're running a proper route. Yeah, and now, you know, it wasn't about whether they're going to be able to get 200 yards on the ground anymore. It was good. The onus was now on the receivers, especially when you have a quarterback that hasn't been there for very long. You got to get open. You got to get separation. You got to run exactly what he's expecting or he thinks right. you're going to do. You got to benefit him. But you also can't discount, uh, you know, the excitement. Uh, offensively, there is no bigger change on a football team than having a new starting quarterback come to your team. And, uh, you know, Zach Claris, he's not Doug Flutie, but he's also not, uh, you know, Joey Elliott. He's uh, not to take a shot at Joey. I love Joey Elliott, but I'm saying he's a guy that's done some things and he's won a Grey Cup as a backup, granted, but he's taken a football team to a Grey Cup before. At one point, he was the most sought after, highly prized free agent quarterback in the CFL, period. Including, he was setting the market at one point, okay? Including by this team. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you cannot discount the excitement that your football team has, especially offensively, when you're going from a super run-heavy, super limited uh, you know, passing attack that you're kind of one-dimensional in terms of how you're going to have success in this game. All of a sudden, boom, everything opens up and you got this guy. Whoa, you're going to get action now as a player. You have to be excited about that. We just got a hell of a lot more dynamic, more, we're multidimensional now. Uh, he can ad lib, he can improvise. All of a sudden scramble drill is you, you better uh, tone that up because we saw what happened with Darvin Adams. That was the classic case of, of scramble drill where it's an off-schedule play, meaning it wasn't designed to look like that, but Clearis is running around, buying time, buying time, finds a guy, hucks it downfield, touchdown. These are super exciting things for the playmakers on your football team. Having a guy back there that has that ability to give you a chance to make a big play in the biggest of games. Gets guys more engaged. Maybe that was the single word yeah. I was looking for is engagement now that you know there's a chance that ball and might he's come a veteran, right? You, no, I mean, of course. I mean, Chris Strebler's a second year guy. Yeah, well, Not hey. taking anything away from him. He's, he's, he's been a hero in terms of how right. he's laid it out there on the line but you know he's got a ways to go and uh you know zach just has that experience 
and that the that ability that is unique on this football team right now. Now we've alluded to it. I've given my impression of that play to Darvin Adams. That that's the play of the decade, perhaps, in Winnipeg football, at least on the offensive side of the ball. In my mind, you want to talk about that anymore, or does it does it speak for itself? And just the the whole idea that you had multiple receivers who were working the drill, right? They yeah. were they realized that Caleros was in trouble. They didn't quit on the play. They continued to do what they were supposed to do and gave Zach an opportunity to complete the play because they didn't quit on it. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing, I think we've gone over quite extensively, but the closest thing that, in my memory, that that equates to what I saw from Zach Kolaris was literally like a Kahari Jones play. The One of the ones that stuck in my mind was a home game, and I don't even know who they were playing against, but he was forced out of the pocket. He was running for his life. He was scrambling around, and just before he got hit out of bounds, he threw a touchdown strike down the field. And I was like, wow, that one play always stuck with me. I mean, obviously with, with Kahari and, and Milt being able to just look over there and understand he was facing cover zero and Milt was going to change his route and, and just go deep down the middle of the football field, that was something that you saw a lot. But the one play that always stuck with me as, as a scramble play, as an off-schedule play, was Kahari just buying time, running for his life, taking a huge shot as he's going out of bounds but throwing a touchdown strike. And I really hadn't seen anything comparable like that from this football club until now. So it's uh, it's just exciting times. I think you go and you watch film too, and you're a receiver, you're a part of this offense, you're, hell, you're a right guard going, wow, if I sell out and buy this guy more time or keep fighting or keep playing to the whistle, the play's not over. Anything can happen. The potential now has gone through the roof if Zach can continue to keep taking strides and increase his comfortability in this offense. Yeah, we've talked about what Chris Trevler's done in terms of get on my back, let's go, I'll do what I can, I'll do everything I can, and then some. This just elevates every aspect of the team, right? When when you get a sense that you are capable of winning every single play, whether you're on offense or defense, it's just going to elevate everyone's level of play to, to complete their task, their assignment uh, in that individual play. And what an injection of confidence. Your last regular season oh, game. Timing's great. You're playing the defending Grey Cup champions. And they have everything to be playing yeah, for right and, now. And you already know you know you can beat Saskatchewan. And, and you don't have to tell me about the excitement of potentially Zach Claris facing off against Saskatchewan, the team that tried to get anything for him. They just wanted him gone once they discovered Cody Fajardo and he went in concussion protocol again. They were like, we, they couldn't get rid of him fast enough, right? So we already know the storyline. The narrative there is going to be unbelievable if they have to play Saskatchewan in the, in, the, in the Western Semi. And if they have to go to Calgary, it'll be a tougher game than it was here. But they know now they have the confidence. Calgary fired all their guns. They gave everything they could, and and Winnipeg knows now they can beat him and uh, them and Zach Claris. You know his his uh, uh, experience and his history against his history against the Calgary Stampeders speaks for itself. So it's uh, it's a fantastic way to end the season. And it uh, should be very make for a very exciting Western semifinal. Three games between the Blue Bombers and the Stampeders this year, and a combined total, the aggregate, one point. The Bombers come out one point ahead if you combine all the sto- scores. It's, it's tremendously impressive. Could Mike O'Shea mess this up by <laughs> starting anyone other than 
Zach Caleros because he was he was a little bit uh, shall we say less than forthcoming on the coach's show this week about who would get the start in that playoff game. Yeah, you know what? From everything we've heard from you know once Matt Nichols went down and how they reached out to guys and then they didn't need a veteran quarterback and then they got a veteran quarterback. And then he was great. And then there were other stories you could find where, oh, no one's going to be able to come in here and do everything. You know, so there's just, I'm just not putting a lot of uh, a lot of my eggs in the basket in terms of we're going to hear or disclosure or whatever. I think it's overwhelmingly apparent to everyone, in- including the football team, that Zach Claris gives you your best chance in the playoffs. I think it'd be fantastic if Strebler was healthy enough to augment that as well. I think this offense was always at its best when Matt Nichols was back there distributing the football. Strebler would come in with the body blows, the body punches, you know, smash the defense for a few uh, hurry-up plays, maybe throw a pass there, catch him off guard, run his short yardage stuff, which he's amazing at. But I think Claris needs to be the staple of your offense, and I would be that would be the biggest head scratcher in the history of uh, Winnipeg uh, football if Zach Claros doesn't have the start, doesn't get the start in the Western semifinal. Claros is the main meal, Strevler is the dessert, the appetizer, yeah. and or the aperitif if you prefer. Adam Big Hill, seven tackles against Calgary on Friday and night. And a sack. He, he seemed to, not that he's been having anything less than a good season, but he seemed to elevate his game Friday night. Yeah, and you know, this is a, a season where Adam Big Hill obviously had an injury, missed time because of an injury. It came back and he wasn't, you know, you just felt like he wasn't quite himself, was just missing that one extra gear. And uh, it looks to me that he found it in the, in that last regular season game that we were like, oh, Adam Big Hill again, again, again. These are the kind of plays we're used to seeing from Adam Big Hill. Big-time plays, uh, real pivotal plays for the defense, uh, making a lot of stops, uh, tackling very well, uh, getting to the quarterback. His blitz was on point. So uh, what a great time to have last year's best player show up and, and return to the form that we're all accustomed to. And so on one side, you, you've had Big Hill, who hasn't had the stats and the numbers, playing next to him. This is a curveball for you. Kyrie Wilson, I think, has had one heck of a season. He's filled in when Big Hill has been unable to play altogether and has sort of been the anchor, in my mind, of that linebacking core. So now you have a guy who knows he could play middle linebacker if given, given the opportunity in Wilson, playing alongside the, the defending league MOP on defense. That's a pretty powerful combination the Bombers have going heading into the playoffs on on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, their defense is good enough by itself to win a football game for you, okay? So if, I mean, it's not always going to happen, especially when you're going up against playoff teams, but we know that defense can take over a game now. If you have that front four uh, playing at the top of their game, the front seven playing really well, and the back end, you know, understanding that they can be aggressive and, and play downhill on their coverage, and break on the football because they know that ball has to come out because they can they can rely on their their pressure getting there. This defense by itself can win you a playoff game. So uh, 
you know, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive when you start to see all the pieces uh, come together and, and they're healthy and they got time off now and they could really make a huge impact on, on how far this team goes in the, in this postseason. Kyrie Wilson, 63 tackles on the season, by the way. So who would you rather play Saskatchewan or Calgary? Couple scenarios. Obviously Saskatchewan is in the driver's seat yeah. here, yeah. Uh, but who would you prefer to play if, if you could script it out? Well, I just think, you know, I just don't want Calgary in the Grey Cup at home and getting a first round bye again. So I think it really messes up their schedule and their expectation and what I feel is Calgary entitlement to have that first round bye and just sit at home and have someone come to them and all they have to do is win that game and they're playing at home in the Grey. I just want to see something different happen in terms of the playoffs. Now, granted, it's not going to be easy for Winnipeg to go into Calgary for the Western semi, um, but I think it rattles that organization if they're playing in the semifinal and they're like, whoa, and we're playing a team that just beat us. And uh, and then if they win that, then they have to go to Saskatchewan or whatever. So uh, not that I want anything good to happen to Saskatchewan. That would be contrary to the entire uh, essence of who I am as a person. But I would rather... Uh, you know, I, I think just see Calgary uh, have to work a lot harder to uh, to get where they want to go, and I think uh, Winnipeg matches up really well against them. I think they could uh, put on a, a big performance out there and be a, a big surprise. Okay, so uh, despite of all that conversation about the West semifinal, you're not going to be there. <laughs> I know it's tough. It, it's this bad timing. It's got to be very... eating you up. It's, I mean, it's the biggest game of the year, but I, I'm uh, very much involved in uh, a charitable uh, organization called Operation Walk. And what that is, my, my day job when I'm not, you know, the, the hard part of my day before I come and get to have fun with you, um, uh, doing joint replacements. Basically, the company I, I work for I donated a whole bunch of uh, 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 knee replacement equipment. And uh, a lot of the surgeons, there's six or seven surgeons from Manitoba uh, that fly down to Nicaragua every year and perform free joint replacements for people that otherwise have no access uh, to these kind of surgery. Uh, it's so it's prohibitively expensive um, down in that country. So they, uh, you get people that come into this uh, hospital that, that wait outside the hospital for, I don't know, X amount of time. Um, Could just it be to get, days? Just to get looked at. Could it be days? And these are people that, there's some people that haven't walked for years that walk out of the hospital uh, two days or, or the next day after their operation. So I've been involved uh, working with this charity for, for some time. And this is the first time uh, the company I work for has donated uh, the implants. And uh, I, I'm taking the instrumentation down there and just making sure that, that the surgeons and the nursing staff and all the healthcare professionals that are there, they have everything they need from a supply and equipment uh, standpoint that they can do. They'll do between 70 and 80 uh, knee replacements down there completely free uh, to these people. And uh, it's literally an event. Uh, not only does it change their lives, but it changes your life being a part of it. So uh, it's it's tough timing, but I, I can't say, you know, this is a very important thing that they do. And uh, this is the first opportunity I've had to to contribute to this. So I'm very, uh, very excited to uh, to see what I can do to uh, to help out. I typically want to hug you when I see you <laughs> most of the time, but now I just so many hugs. Now I just so really want to hug you, man. That, that is fantastic. Do you want to give a shout out? Do you want to mention some names here? Oh no, no, it's it's. I mean, uh, Operation Walk is. Uh, we do a gala dinner every year, 
and uh, the proceeds from that gala dinner uh, pretty much are what pays for this. So it's the generosity of the people in Winnipeg and in Manitoba that are essentially uh, paying for you know everything that isn't donated. Uh, I, I believe our company is donating like $175,000 worth of knee uh, implants. But there's a lot of stuff you have to pay for shipping, like getting all the equipment down there and everything like that. So the money we, uh, they raise at the Operation Walk uh, uh, gala dinner every year uh, that is only because of the uh, the goodwill and nature and the giving nature of everyone in in Manitoba. So, uh, just uh, being involved in that and 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 knowing you know where the support and the funding comes from, the base of where you live, it's just a tremendous. Uh, 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 it's really a tremendous event, and and the end results are. Uh, really game changers for these people. You know, I can't thank you enough for doing that. Congratulations. What an honor to be going, but the the work that you're doing is absolutely spectacular. So we'll look forward to doing this once you get back and, and setting up the Western final. I between... will be taping the game, right? Or maybe I'll find some way to see the game <laughs> when I'm out there. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be coming back not knowing. Hopefully we get another opportunity A, to know and do that. Well, we'll do a wrap-up podcast either way. Oh, right? no, no. But, we won't be wrapping it up. But, we'll, be, uh, we'll be setting we'll be talking, up the Western there you final, go, right? There you go. So we'll make sure the podcast, I will have watched the game. We will pick up where we left off. I just won't be able to do anything live uh, for that Western semifinal. Uh, now I can say it in public from the rooftops. I love you, Doug. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Okay. Buddy? Travel safely. That's all the time we've got. Uh, we'll catch up with you next time. We out. The Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. <laughs>